All right. Stand up, Phoebe. Oh no. How tall do you think she is? I'm looking at 63 inches, maybe slightly more. That is 5'3. Okay. 5'3. And I know for a fact I'm. Who's taller? You taller? You taller? I know for a fact I'm almost 5'2. Oh, wow. You're five foot two? Yeah, I'm five foot two. I'm shorter than Phoebe. You are. Barely five foot two. Hey, well, how about you? Maybe, I don't know. If, I think you're taller. He's taller than me. He's even taller than you. Maybe not. Alright. He might be. You are. Even with your hair, 68 and a half. I'm looking at. So, not quite six feet. You're so. three and a half inches shy. And you are. You are 64 and a half. Four inches shorter than him, but taller than you. I'm the shortest here! What? Third place? Out of, out of four. I'd love to be the shortest. If there was a shortest contest in this room, I would definitely win. All right. Here's the real question. At home, you didn't measure yours. I did not measure myself. Oh, come on, Levi's tall. Six foot one. It's six foot one. I am tall, but I'm not that tall. So, here's a question for you. Think about this. How long is your bed? Seven feet, okay. So could I lay in your bed and would I be end to end in your bed? You could lay in my bed. No. I would be end to end? No. Pretty yeah, close, a little bit, maybe a little bit of distance. You could, you can sleep. If you put your, if you put your head directly against the wall, I bet you probably would fit, but barely. All right, barely. So we'll say they're six and a half feet, about a half a foot taller than the average person, right? Or even a tall person. Half a foot taller? My dad can your bed? He cannot lay in your bed? He can. Oh, he can. He's oh, hey, fantastic. <laughs> All right, so now, does anybody know the measures of an ancient carpenter, what they built things with? Cubits is one thing. What's another one? Spans, okay? Your span of a man, and they usually used a full-grown man because your span is, no, 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 from here to here. That's a span. You're closer, all right? So the span of my fingers is about nine inches. Yeah. Okay? Like eight and a half. Nine inches is the span. Typically, if I stretch as far as I can stretch, it's about nine inches of a grown man. Now, a cubit is what? All right. So, as you are smaller, what's your cubit? But you're not particularly, but you're close. How do we about know? 17 and a quarter, okay? Typically, if we get this right here. Are you a full-grown man? Hmm? Well, man. From, <laughs> from my elbow to there is 18 inches. And that's what they figure, okay? 18 inches is a cubit. arms for some reason. You do have a longer arm, but it's not the whole length of your arm. It is from the tip of your finger to your elbow. Still pretty long. So lay it out right there. 17 and a half. You're just about 18. Close. Okay? 18 inches is a cubit. That's really important to remember. You don't need to be distracted at this point. Alright? Measure by the horn. That would be pretty fun. 18 inches is a cubit. Okay? And if you go back in Genesis, you will find that the ark was built by cubits. Now, why do they use a cubit? Because it was the easiest 
thing to do. Well, you can't forget it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot my measuring stick, right? Oh, right here. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> right with me all the time. And if your tools are simple, how do you agree on what a length is? Well, it's whatever you can't because everyone's keeping it. Your arm's longer than my arm. But they did know that most average people were about the same. So if they measured your arm on a rock and made two marks or on a board or something made two marks, right? There it was. There's the distance. And everybody comes up and says, yep, yep, that's a cubit. Why does it sound like my algebra class right now? All right. Well, I'm going to need you to do a little bit of math. Just a little tiny bit. Oh, it's tough, but this is not hard math. All right. Nope, I don't want you to do that. I need you to turn to Deuteronomy. I know we're in the book of Joshua, but we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy because we are tying together some things. Deuteronomy chapter 3, in the very beginning of Deuteronomy. That's the fourth <laughs> book of the Bible. Oh, okay. Is that Genesis, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Sorry, fifth book of the Bible. Three, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And this is about Moses. But this story ties into Joshua very closely, and we will find out why. We're also going to learn a little bit about a cubit. And a bed. And a bed. And a bed. Not the giant's bed that we talked about. Let's do it. Let's read. Og. Here we go. Chapter 3, verse number 1 through 11. I'll start verse 1. You can go to. It's okay. You'll handle it. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, and he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him, and all his people, and all his land, into thy hand. And thou shalt do unto him as thou didst unto Sihon. King of, Sihon, yep. Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og, also the king of Bashan, and all his people, and we smote them until none was left of him, left to him on the and we took all the cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them. Three score cities, all the region of Argod, and the king of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars. Beside unwalled towns, a great many. And we utterly destroyed them, as we did in Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the cattle and spoil of the cities we took for a prey to ourselves. And we took at, the, at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites the land that was on, side, on this side, Jordan, from the river of Arnon, Arnon unto Mount Hermon. Which Hermon and Sidians call Sarvin, and the Amorites call it Shemir. All the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and all that is unto Sidon, yeah. and Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For only Og, okay, Og is the king, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead, or his bed, was a bed of iron. If Is it not in the Rabbith of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth thereof, after a cubit of a man. All right? So here it is. Moses, way back when, took over cities. Now... You remember, let's let's go back to the map. The map is going to be an important part of tonight. All right? You know what this is? You should be able to tell me as I do this. I just realized, you never put the phone on Stanford. I never put what? Do you ever put the phone on Stanford recording it? 
No, that's just Jacob. No, I haven't done that for a little bit. All right, Mediterranean Sea, and then yes. over here, Sea of Galilee. Jacob drew a new one. A new what? A new one. Oh, there is. There's more, and the river goes up. Yep. Down we go here until we get to Dead Sea. This is the Jordan River. This over here. Nile River. The Nile River. This is the Red Sea. Okay. And then, so what happened was, when they left, when Moses took Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt, they left, they crossed the Red Sea. They essentially went up to the Promised Land. They sent spies in from a place called Kadesh Barnea, okay? And then they went through the land and they were wandering through the land for over a month. For 40 days, they wandered through the land. We'll come back to that in a little bit because all this wraps together. After that, they basically said, nope, can't take it, can't do it. So they went out and wandered in the desert for 40 years, way out and around, all the way over one way and the other. And then after 40 years was done, they ended up in here. All right? This is where Og, the king of Bashan was. So Bashan was a region up here, and Og was this, I'm sorry, Og was this giant king. Is that where Goliath is from? No, but we'll talk about that. Yes, in a way, but no, he is not from Bashan. Where's Goliath from? Because he's a, um, he's from, isn't he from like, he's a Philippine. He's no, a Philistine. Philistine. He's a Philistine, but, but what is the town? Goliath of? Philistine. No. We'll get there. Okay. All right? We'll get there. Og is a king. Okay? We'll actually talk about Goliath, but um, Og is a king from this, this race of giants. Okay? And I'm not saying they're not human. They're human. But there are people, if you go across the world today, and you go in other countries, there are people like the Maasai people, all right? People in different tribes in Africa, and I believe Maasai is one of them. They tend to be thinner, but very tall people. Well over seven feet, most people. Okay? I wish I could be like that. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, you can't even go through a door, right? Can't go through a lot of doors. Now... If you were more than seven feet, so I'm a little over six, add a seven, and then add more than seven, you can't stand up in here. That's easy. Just bend your back in half. Yeah, well, that's great all the time, right? That's great all the time. Bend over. So here's King Og. His bed is nine cubits long. Nine times... 18 inches, or 9 times, we'll say 1.5 feet. You can. So, 9 times 1 is? 9. 9, okay. And half of 9 is? Well, it would be... 4.5. That equals? How many feet? 9 plus 4.5. 13.5. Woo! Toughest math we'll do tonight. It's not hard. Okay? So 13.5 feet is how long his bed was. Oh, wow. Imagine how big his room was. Don't forget the fourth. There's his bed. Don't forget the four cubits of the bed. I could fit like... So four cubits is how wide? And it was the bed of it. 1.5 times four is... We need rulers. It's six. Six, all right? So a half of four is two, and one times four is four, so you got six feet wide. So this is literally a bed that is 
as wide as a six foot table, so all of that. It's leaning down. And this long, all the way to my finger here. That's how long this guy was. Now, we'll give him a foot. Maybe they made it a foot longer, right? so it's more even, comfortable not for even him. Enough to reach the wall. Okay, not enough to reach the wall. All right, that's a big bed. So imagine a guy laying in this bed. Maybe, maybe he's well, thirteen point five feet. Maybe we'll give him a foot and a half to move, top and bottom. I think he can maybe he's about, twelve feet tall. I think he can fit about five, ten, fifty people in this bed. That's here. If you lay down from here to the wall, 12 feet, that would be more than two of you laying on top of each other, <laughs> right? Head, foot to head, all the way down there. And that's how tall this guy was. I mean, huge, huge person. Now these giants, we know some of them had vestigial fingers and toes. Some of them had more than five fingers and five toes, so six. That would be awesome! Okay. <laughs> it talks about them having six fingers and six toes. Cool. Now, something was pretty amazing in their genes. In the beginning of the Bible, it talks about the sons of Anak, and we are going to talk about that. The sons of Anak. Is it the wives one of them? Yes, he is. So the wives of Anak. Sons of Anak. Yes. Nope, he really isn't. <laughs> All right. You're getting closer. All right. Does anybody have their phone? So Anak was one of the originals that had this gene. All right. The very first. However, he got it. Really doesn't really matter. But he had. Well, it could be. Now, this guy, if you think about it, the beginning of humankind was not a lesser gene, but was actually a more perfect gene. Adam was made of a perfect gene. Perfect to God. Just exactly what, it, what he desired him to be. And within Adam was the, was the genetic pool for all of humankind. Which is a lot. Big, tall, short, short wide, Strong, weak, all different colors, okay? All different hair colors, all different body Can shapes. Can you imagine someone just had rainbow hair like they were born with it? Now that would be awesome. So here's this 12 foot tall guy, we'll say, I don't know, maybe he's 11, 6. Who cares? It's huge, right? That's huge. I want to meet this guy. Now, Goliath was a giant. And he was nine foot nine. Okay? This guy's a foot and a half taller than him. Maybe two feet taller than him. Alright? He is a huge, huge guy. If you imagine me standing on top of that, I'd have to stand on top of two of these tables and I still wouldn't be as tall as him. I'd have to get up to this high and stand on him. So he's a big, big guy. But he wasn't as tall as Nebuchadnezzar's statue. No, Nebuchadnezzar's statue was 90 feet tall. Oh, okay. That was just to make himself seem bigger than he was, and he was not, okay? So he's not, we're not talking giants that come and tear the tops, uh, like in the cartoons, off of, a, <laughs> off of a house or something and put it back on, right? We're talking people, people that have the genes to be big. Now, Andre the Giant was one of those great big guys. He was a wrestler, right? He was like, I think he was like seven foot something, very tall guy. He's like seven foot five. But he was like 450 or 500 pounds. His shoe size, somebody once told me his shoe size was like a 34. Okay, the biggest guy I know has like a 16, 17, okay? And that's a big, big shoe. Could you just imagine my okay. feet? My feet have not broken. <laughs> 16 cans of beer or something. Right, right. It's just huge, it's huge. So think about this. Now, if you're gonna pick a guy to fight against, 
you're not going to pick a guy like that, right? No, you're going to pick Because he's just going to go, like I'm going to giant knock you over because he's just got more mass than anybody. If someone to fight, pick Gideon. He's like a pacifist. Well, he's like a pacifist. You wouldn't give that. So. He makes me a pacifist. You know, you never really hit anyone. Well, it's good. You don't need to hit anybody. Right? That's a good thing. Doesn't mean you can't. Though. So, you're going to pick a guy to fight. Og is this humongous guy. And remember, if he, if he has sons and daughters and family, which he's going to have in his kingdom, now it doesn't mean everybody in his kingdom is all giants. But there is a line, a bloodline, which has spread throughout this entire land. Og was one of those kings. So Moses came up, took the land of Og, because God says, if you go in, you took Sihon. Now, Sihon was a smaller guy, littler kingdom. Og was a bigger kingdom. He took that land, and when he took it, before he took it, God said, you go and take it. I'll give it to you. Don't worry about him being big. You want to be afraid of him? Don't worry about him being big. Rewind. 40 years. Now, this is the end of 40 years, right? Now, if you were going to go in the video and you go back 40 years, here we are, right? And you walk all the Israelites watching, walking backwards through the, through the thing all the way back to here. And we're going back in time 40 years before they took this giant Og with the 13 and a half foot bed. Okay? They took the bed because it was so big and they put it on display and said, look at this thing. It's amazing. All right? So wind back to 13, numbers 13. So we're, we're kind of going back a little bit in the Bible, 40 years, back another book, numbers 13. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, yep. Verse number 25. And we're going to read through verse 33. So we've rewound back 40 years. Numbers chapter 13, verse number 25 through 33. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Okay, that was the spies. They went in the spy. I told you the spies went in the land looking around for 40 days, okay? Verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. Kadesh. Yep. And brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. All right, for a minute, just pause for a minute. This is where the spies bring back fruit. And this is like, look at the stuff that's in all this. And this is where they bring back a bunch of grapes. Now, I don't know that they're bigger grapes or smaller grapes, but the bunch of grapes was so big, one guy couldn't carry it. They put it on a pole and put it between two shoulders of two guys and carried it out of the land. It was that big, all right? So say it weighed, say it weighed 100 pounds, okay? That's a big bunch of grapes. That would mean the grapes made less than me. Yeah, it, it was a lot of grapes. All right, go ahead, keep going. Verse 27. And they told me and said, We came into the land whither you sent us, and surely it goeth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw children of Anak there. Oh, children of Anak? Who are they? They're the giants. They're the giants. We saw them there. They're huge. Okay. I'll read the next verse because I like to. And the Malachites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it but the men that went up to him said we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of israel 
saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that is of the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in there are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the panic, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sides as grasshoppers, and so we were in their side. Alright. These guys are strong, and they're huge, they're big, and we're just like little tiny grasshoppers. But couldn't God help them overcome them? Well, couldn't he have? Yes, he could have. And Caleb believed, and Joshua believed, and no one else in the entire nation of Israel believed. So, remember, winding back 40 years through the desert, backwards we go. Here we are. They've just come out of Egypt. They've been slaves. They now have what their problem is, is they have still not gotten rid of the mentality of slavery. All right? The mentality is, I don't know what else to do. And it was true after uh, the slaves in this country, back after or during the Civil War, when many were freed, they didn't ever see another life, right? They'd grown up in slavery. And it was a terrible, awful life. And it had very little good in the whole life. But when many of them were freed, some stayed, some left and went away and came back because they just didn't know what to do. They had, they'd never known any other life. All right? And so here we are. Israel has been slave for how long in, in Egypt? A long time. Over 400 years, which is lots of generations of slaves. So all the people that lived in there had never seen a free day in their life. They've always lived under hard labor and under evil kings for 400 years, right? So they come out and they say, we can't do that. We can't take those jets. They're huge. Did you see those guys? God says, yes, you can. I'll give them to you. You go in, I'll give them to you. Could you imagine if one of those guys was the size of a skyscraper or a mountain? Now, they weren't. They were big, big guys. And I'll tell you, they'd be scary to come up against. But what they were like little tiny grasshoppers. They'd just go, <laughs> and we'd be squished and we'd be all dead. Now, is that true? No, it's not true. But in their mind, they still the have the mentality of being a slave. Well, technically, if you lay down the ground, you would be squished. Well, you could fight against these guys. Or you can lay down and die. But remember, now, it was only Caleb, right? And Caleb said, come on, guys, we can go take them. Caleb was a slave, too. Caleb had grown up as a slave. And he was 40 years old at that point. 40 years old. He'd grown up his entire life and probably worked hard labor for the last 25 to 30 years of his entire life. He'd never known any different as any of those other people. But the one thing he did was he believed that God could do it. All right? He was different. Now, when they rejected God's plan... God says, all right, I will give you provision, and I will protect you. And now we're forwarding, fast forwarding. Out they go for 40 years. Bang, they're back. Finally, at the end of 40 years, every single person, except for Joshua and Caleb and Moses, every single person who started that journey out for the 12 spies, those three people the only people that survived. All the rest was a brand new generation. All right? A new generation. Now, remember, with this new generation, they have never known Egypt. They have known freedom, but they've never had a homeland either. All right? So this new generation comes up, and Moses goes in and fights the giant that 40 years ago 
all of their parents says we can't do it. We can't do it. Moses goes in, the very same leaders, and takes in those, that new generation, and the new generation wipes them out. What's the difference? What's the difference? Did they have better weapons? No. No? In fact, they probably had less after they wandered through the desert for a while. When they came out of Egypt, they had, they had riches that they took from the Egyptians. And they had God on their side. But they had God on their side before. So what's the difference? There isn't. There is. Because before, they ran away from the giants. And now... Oh, because the new generation didn't know. They were just forced to go out there. And then... Well, okay. But they chose. They could have said, no, we can't do it. They didn't have a slave. They didn't have the slave mindset. They did not have a slave mindset, okay? No slave mindset, and they also did not have fear, or at least not have paralyzing fear, okay? But we'll say they didn't have fear. They didn't have a slave mindset. They didn't have that fear. So, they now are able to take it over. And now... They've come up to the edge of the promised land. They've taken some land under Moses. And Moses then comes and stands on the tops of the mountains. God takes him up there. And Moses' life is at an end. And God takes his life in the mountains alone. He is never to come back. He stands up on the mountaintops and looks down across the promised land, the land of Canaan, and he is never to set foot in the land of Canaan because of his anger. He allowed his anger to limit his ability to grow in God. And he did amazing things and he had strong belief, but it still limited where he could go because he kept it and he held on to it, that anger. The whole time he continued to hang on, okay? And we have only two times that the Bible actually writes down that he had anger. And they were very specific, and they were things that at times when he did stuff, there were times when he did stuff, okay? When God said, go out and speak to a rock and he went out and whacked the rock in anger out anger at the people okay so be aware who in here has ever been angry <laughs> me i've been angry more than twice in my life okay more than twice and i've let it i let it, I've done it, where I've done things that I regret when I was angry. Alright? When we allow a sin to do something to us in our life, do you think it disappoints God? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, here's the thing. We all have a lot of different sins. We all struggle with more than anger. I do. I have selfishness. I have times where I don't trust God. I have times where I don't think God can fulfill all my needs, and so I just go and try to do it on my own. I have times where I am impatient. I have times where I am not kind. Do I need to move that away from you? Couldn't you handle it? There's only one left to pop. Just let it be. I have times where I struggle with a lot of different sins. I have sins that other people see, and I have sins that other people do not see. I have sins that are inside of my head where I am battling deeply with something where I am totally impatient with an idea 
or a thought that God wants. I have sins inside of me that I have been struggling with for many years. My, almost my entire life. So with that, I come at God and I ask for forgiveness. And I say, why can't I just get this taken care of and get this out of my life? Right? Well, yes, it's true. But don't you think someone who believes in God and has strong faith can conquer? This is what the book of Joshua is about. It is all about the ability to conquer. That's what Joshua's done. And they've watched, and we watched as this whole nation, this picture of a person, we'll call it one person. One person could have taken this journey and done the very same thing. Right? But it was a whole nation of a million or two million people. Okay? And as they went through, we watched and we said, oh, I fall in there. I don't believe there. So when, they, when the spies got to them... Um, When the spies got to the land, they said, we can't take them. They're so big. Those giants are huge. We're like little grasshoppers. They're going to crush us. We often come to sins in our life where we say, I have tried and tried to do it, and I cannot shake this thing. We get afraid. Or we just... Or have total disbelief. Just like those spies that said, it's too big, I can't beat it. So if I can't beat it, what am I going to do with it? You can't beat the people say. That's one thing. You kind of just let it go. Right? The immortal words of Elsa. Let it go. <laughs> except, except, does it really go away? No, never. Not until you conquer, right? Conquering is an act of a, is an act of actually beating something, going in there, and it's not defensive; it's offensive. I'm going in, and I'm going to take it, and it's going to be done. But how does, how does Joshua conquer? So Moses is dead. He's gone. Joshua comes down here to cross the Jordan River. Right? He crosses that Jordan River using what? Ark of the Covenant, right? And they're carrying it, and he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't build a dam. Sort of. <laughs> right? He does not do anything to try and stop it except listen to God closely and walk and do the very next thing. And so they cross, remember? They cross the Jordan, and then what happens? They just take Jericho by walking around. Do they? Not yet. Oh no, they camp there. They camp there, and when they camp there, what they do? Two important things. <gasps> oh, they had a Sabbath? No, they had, yes. They had Passover. the Passover. And then they didn't have manna anymore. And they got no more manna, and they got circumcised. Oh. And so they were all vulnerable, but they did exactly what God had to do. Now remember, when they were wandering in the desert for all these years, they didn't celebrate the Passover. So they began with the covenant from God, the promise of God to say, I will pass over. I will forgive with the blood. Right? And so that was an important thing. And then, but you must have a covenant with me. And what's the sign of the covenant? The sign of the covenant 
is a promise between you and me was circumcision. That's what they had to do. All right? So they did that before they ever set foot in Jericho. And then here we go. Do we have torches and we have battering rams and we're going to take Jericho? What about a trebuchet? They had horns. They had horns. Right? Yep. And they marched around and they went back home. Marched around again, went back home. Marched around again, went back home. Six days in a row. And the seventh day, seven times around. And wow! And down comes the wall. Like goats? Yes, yeah, so, sort of like screaming something. Except a goat can't knock a wall down made of stone. No. But God did. Yeah. So the stronghold of Jericho is taken by faith, not even raising a weapon. They're not burning it. They're not shooting rocks at it. They're not trying to knock it over or penetrate it in any way. They are trusting that God will take it. And so faith becomes their main weapon. And Jesus was there, right? And Jesus was there, yes. So the presence of him, that's an important piece of it too. The presence of God. Quiet time in the presence of God. That is one important piece to victory in your life. Quiet time. And when I say that, what do I mean? Praying. Praying. What else? Listening to church. Listening to God. To God. Now, you could come in church and listen to every word. But the question is, are you just listening to the words that are said? Or are you looking for something from God? Are you looking to God from God to tell you something that you didn't know before? And I don't mean just, oh, I learned a new thing. No, no, no. Are you looking for purpose in your life? Are you looking for something new in your life? Are you looking for God? What do you want me to do? You can talk to everybody out there and all these things and I see what everybody does but what do you have for me? What am I supposed to do? I'm 12, 13, 14, 15 years old and someday I'll be 20, 21, 22, 23 and someday I'll be 50. What did you want me to do? Am I supposed to be doing something right now? So God needs a specific has a specific message for you. Do you listen to what he wants? Because that's what Joshua had to do. Listen. So good, Phoebe. Listen. That's great. Listen. And yes, you read, and yes, you pray, but it won't be, it, when it becomes about, well, I just did this. It's been my great prayer life. This, no, 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 you've missed the point already. God. Wipe away everything else and put God in your life. God, what do you want me to do? God, what is it that you want me to do? You wipe away everything else and listen. All right? So they take it by faith and then they go to Ai and they yeah, defeat it right away. Because why? what they didn't do, what didn't they do? They were defeated by AI. Yeah. Right away. Why? Because um, of stuff. Yes, and they allowed. Oh, because they didn't listen. Yeah, they did not listen. They allowed something to get in the way. Greed, lust. Lust. I want it right now. Good I'm gonna take it. Blood lust. Anything. Lust of greed. Any kind of lust. They allowed sin to get in the way of listening to God. And that is one of the ways where we keep, we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix, I'm going to defeat this sin. I'm going to have conquering life in my life as a Christian. I'm going to do something great. 
And God's going to do great things with me. And then we allow a sin to creep in and just let it happen. We just ignore it and it grows. And God says, no, you're not going to, you're not going to have conquering life if you allow those things to grow in you. Be obedient right away. And so they learn that lesson. And then they go on to the Gibeonites. And you remember the Gibeonites have this really sad story. Oh, our shoes are worn out and our bread's moldy. Look at all this, don't you? Yeah, we're, we're from so far away. We're from so far away. We just, we know you're such a, a powerful nation. And we're, look at our moldy bread and my shoes and my, see there's holes in my clothes. Oh, that's you remember what someone said? Someone actually called them the Gideons. Right. So they're the Gibeonites, and they, what's the problem with them? They're lying. So they lie, but, but what's the problem with Israel? What lesson does Israel learn? Oh, um, uh, don't listen to people who are liars. No. Even though you don't know that they're liars. What did they not do? They didn't Destroy. listen to God. They didn't listen to God. Right? Because we learn. We have to listen if we're going to conquer. So instead they create a pact with them. And they have to live with them forever. They have a peace treaty with them. They can't conquer them. They cannot conquer them. They have a peace treaty with them. Unless they break the peace treaty. Now, God does take those people because those people as you look into their future they end up being servants of God because they end up believing but Israel still didn't do the right thing they didn't listen so they learned another lesson now they go and they take over right and they do big sweeps and they start listening to God and these armies come back and forth and back and forth and they're beating them up and they're stopping the sun and the hailstones are coming down and it's amazing. It's incredible. Hailstones because, because God is on their side, not because they are good, not because they've accomplished great things, not because he needs them, but because they are listening. They are obedient. And so God says, all right, you're going to be obedient. I'm going to do good, great, amazing things through you. I'll stop the world from spinning for you if I need to, to help you conquer awesome. these. All right? So here they are, and they have conquered, and they have conquered. And then you, last week, you learned that they went up way up north and took a great big swath up on this side, of course, the Jordan River goes up through here, and there are other rivers up through here, and this becomes mountains. This is mountains, okay? Up at the top of here. Yes, you probably do have a map in the back of your Bible. In the back of your Bible. There are several maps in there. This one has all the mountains, but this one doesn't have any listed. Right, so there may be a map, if you look, there may be a map that has Joshua's it might say in the times of Joshua. Now there may be a uh, not. Very back. Caramel. Caramel. I love caramel. Okay. Why didn't you so, want caramel then? So you probably you don't necessarily have one that says specifically um, that area, but you can see. There's Jericho. Can you see the city of Jericho? Right on the edge of, it's close to the Jordan River. See the city of Jericho? Doesn't have anything. <laughs> Alright, so 
There is Jericho. AI's in there. So they took these swaths through, okay, and then they took a big northern swath out, and they have literally defeated the majority of people throughout. All the kings. They actually came through into some cities up in here. This is an area which was called the land of the Philistines or Philistia. Okay? And there were several different cities in in Philistia. Alright? So God gave them supernatural help. Now let's go to Joshua chapter number 13. Joshua chapter 13. Verse number one, we're going to start at. Now, Joshua had been fighting battles. Now, last week you went through a list of kings. There were 31 kings, okay, in the chapter number 12 before that. And those are all the ones that Joshua defeated. And then before that, in the book of Joshua, there's some of the kings that Moses defeated. Remember? Og and Sihon, okay? There were some of those kings that they defeated before Joshua took over and went into the promised land. So they went through all these areas, and it ends up that they're going to split up the territories. All right? But let's read Joshua chapter number 1, and this is what God has to say. Who's starting? I can start. Um... This is what God has to say to Joshua. Go ahead. Verse number 1. Now after... Chapter 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Okay. Before we go on. You're old, Joshua. You did a great job. But there's a lot more to take. All right? And you you need to still be fighting. Okay, verse number 2. This is the land in that yet remaineth all the borders of the Philistines and all Geshuri. And the Sihon which is before Egypt even unto the borders of Ekron northward which is continued to the Canaanite Five lords of the Philistines, the Gesephites, the Ashurathites, the Eshkelonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, and the Adites. From the south, all of the land of the Canaanites and their that is beside the Sidonians, unto Ephraim, to the borders of the Amorites. And the land of the Giblites and all Lebanon towards the sun rising from Baal Gad under Mount Hermon unto the entering into Hamath. All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon unto Misrephoth Ma'am. Misrephoth <laughs> You didn't know that? <laughs> and all the Sidians. Them will I drive out before the children of Israel. Only divide thou it by lot unto the Israelites, for an inheritance as I have commanded thee. All right, so here we are. He says, You've got a lot to go. Now, where do they go? Here's their problem areas this, where the Philistines are, the edge country. Now, this is all kind of mountainous all through here. And it makes a plain around the lake. As they got out to the plain, they didn't go out and battle. They left a few behind. They left some in a place called Gaza. Gaza? Gaza. That's on the map. They, yes it is. They left some in a place called Gath. They like Jesus. They do. Then they also didn't do much. Remember, they took a, no a swipe way up north. But then north of that, God originally said, I want you to go up here. And this is a place called Lebanon. There's a Mount Lebanon up there and a Mount Hebron, a few others. 
I think Key Brown's the right one. Yeah. So there's a couple other, there's mountains up there. They didn't, so there's two areas that they really just didn't touch. God told them this. You go and take it and I'll give it to you. We have Mount Gabriel, right? Mount Mora, and Mount Diabron near there. We also have Jubal Dormark. Right. There, there are many up there. So listen. That's it. That's all that's all the way up there. Lebanon is a place that even today is not part of Israel. Right? Ever heard of Lebanon? It's a new thing. I did today. Not new, but it's there it is still a place. And it's not part of Israel because they never really conquered it. And then there's this place down here. Gaza, Gath, the land of the Philistines. Now, remember the sons of Anak. Those pesky sons of Anak. They took a bunch over here with Og. But there was a whole big swath of the sons of Anak all through here. So pesky. Gath is a famous place. Sure is. Because Goliath of Gath is who David fought. Okay? He did. He only defeated one. And remember, there's a whole bunch more where you came from. There were more in the land. And it took generations later because they never really wiped them out. Were there more fighting with the Philistines? More like, fighting what? Like more sons of Anak. Or is yes. it just Goliath? Yeah. yeah. Was Goliath like the tallest one there? I don't know. But there were sons of Anak there. Still. So, like I said, in genes, now remember this. When you, when you have multiple kids, not everybody gets the same thing, right? Some kids are short, some kids are tall. The genes don't all pass on, everybody's all the same. So you may have had a family where you get 10 kids out of it, and three of them are giants, and the rest are not. Maybe they're just a little extra big, you know? There's no way any of my kids will ever be giants in my family. Probably not. Probably not. So, Gaza is still a famous place because Gaza is a place they never took either. There's also some swaths over here that they never quite took. Some more of those pesky Philistines, okay? There, there were groups of people that they never took and they never obeyed God. And because they never obeyed God, they never quite finished the land. Now, Joshua did an amazing job. He had faith, he had strength. But there's always more that you can do as a Christian. There's always more you can conquer. There's always more that can be done as a believer. Now, one last, as we skip along, I want to skip along to Joshua chapter 14. And I'm going to read a section of verses because I told you Caleb was going to be important. Oh, no. Chapter 14, verse number 6. And then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, here he is again, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Now where was Kadesh Barnea? Way back here. Remember this? Rewind back, all the way back here. And they went as spies. Caleb was one of those spies. Remember what Moses said to me? He said, when I go and conquer a piece of land where I want to go, he promised me I could have what I wanted. And I know just the place that I want. Okay? Verse number 7. Forty years Old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, everybody else in the land, went up with me and made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day 
saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm 85 now. 45 years ago, because 40 years in the desert, and five years doing this, right? He said, 45 years ago, Moses promised me whatever land I walked on was going to be mine. I know where I'm going. And he says, I'm 85 years old now, and I'm going to take my property. Where are we? Verse number... Uh, verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now for war to both go in and come out. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. Who's that? Sons of Anak. He's got on a mountain. They're living on a mountain. All right. He says, and these were the cities were great and fenced and walled. And if so be, the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out. And Joshua blessed them, gave Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron. So Mount Hebron, which you should be able to find maybe in your map if there's mountains in there, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore came, the inheritance of Caleb from the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, unto this day because that he has wholly followed the God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kiriath Jera, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. So the Anakims were the giants. A man named Arba was the ruler of this whole territory that's on the top of Mount Hebron. He lived this entire mountain, and all his people with all these cities lived around there. And Caleb says, I want that one. How hard is it to take a mountain? It's a battle uphill all the way. How hard is it to walk up a mountain when you're 85? Right? <laughs> Usually hard. But with Caleb, not only for 40 years did his shoes not wear out, and he, his clothes didn't wear out, but his strength never got less until he was 85 years old. He's 85 years old, and he says, I'm the same strength I was when I was 40. Okay, because God gave him a unique ability to hold on to that. He goes in, takes the mountain, takes Arba, the ruler, the sons of Anakim, and he was one of the famous ones of the giants because he wholly followed God. says it in there three or four times. You wholly followed God. You did it with all your heart. You believed that God would do it. And you said, God can give it to me. I don't care if I'm 85 years old. So there's never a time in which you quit as a Christian. Everybody in the world talks about retirement. I'm going to retire for this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to not, I'm going to not work anymore. But God never talks about retirement. Now you can retire from a job. And you can retire from a lot of things in life. But being a Christian is for life all the way till death and through death. Not it's your belief. Not for my uncle. He turned atheist. Well, if you believe, it's not about, it's about believing your whole life. And that's the thing. You can make a choice and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. But if you believe, it's the only thing strong enough to get you through your entire life and get you through death. All right? For those who do not believe in God, there's great fear in crossing to the unknown and death. And they can say there is not. But when they face death at the end, the only way is to trust in a being who's already on the other side. Right? A being that has your good uh, in mind. And so you trust God to do it to go across and to help you with this. And while you're in this life, believing in God, taking over the things of like the giants, you've got to know that there will be difficult battles in your life as a Christian. You come up against hard things. 
But if you can listen to God and learn to have faith in God, and if you can learn to trust in Him and spend that quiet time in the presence of God to say, what do you want me to do next? It can be as simple as that. What do you want me to do next? And then listen for it. And He might not say anything to you, but then He might speak to you in the middle of a song or in the middle of a sermon, or in the middle of you reading a verse that might hit you like, wow, that really applies to me. It's exactly what I needed to hear. God speaks. If you listen, he will speak to you. When you search, he will speak to you. Right? If you want to hear, and you really seek him, you, will, you can find him. No matter how big and strong, and how little you feel, right? how big and strong your enemies are, how big and strong the sins are in your life, you can have a conquering ability through God. But not on your own power. No big weapons to beat them. It's all based on your relationship with God. How close you are, how much you trust Him, how much you listen. That's what it's based on. So these are some of the lessons, and you could be like Caleb and take the mountain and say, that's mine. I'm going to take that. I want that. That's greedy. Well, it wasn't greedy because it's what he did for trusting in God. God promised it to him, and he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it. All right? Thank you very much. Have a good day.